welcome to Cursed. I'm Bones, and on this episode, we have special guest Corey of New World Witchery. Um, have him on to talk about corpse magic. Uh, really nerded out over this one because I've been a fan of his podcast, New World Witchery, um, and his for a while. So I'm excited for you all to hear that. Before we get into it, though, uh, a couple things. You will you can see me at the Gather the Witches event this weekend with Hex Files. Uh, we're presenting um, on both the main stage, which is free. You can get your tickets, the link in our Instagram bio or Hex Files bio as well. Um, and we'll be on the full access side. Um, but you can see our full presentation on either side. So um, just found out about that. Uh, really excited to be featured on both. If you want to watch it with the free ticket, it will happen as it happens and you will not be able to download it. So that is going to be this Saturday, um, the 24th. And it is at 3 p.m. And then if you have the full access pass, um, we'll be on the live Q&A um, Sunday, the 25th at four. So uh, look forward to seeing you there. Again, you can grab free or full access tickets through links in bio of Cursed or Hex Files. And um, yeah, I think that's all the news uh, to share with you guys. So I hope you enjoy the interview I had with Corey because I had way too much fun doing it. This is only my third third Zoom meeting with, um, I think. So I'm making sure I've got this, but um, I have the, I was gonna say luxury, but I have the privilege of sitting down with Corey Hutchison of New World Witchery. Um, if you're not familiar with Corey's podcast, um, it's Corey and Lane. It's one of the very first podcasts I ever started listening to. And the first podcast I started listening to as a new fledgling witch uh, and still listen to because, I mean, there's so much to learn and it's such a good one. So if you're not listening to that, listen to that. But um, we'd like to welcome Corey to the show. Well, thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. I really, I've really enjoyed uh, listening, listening to Cursed over the past uh, year or so. So, so yeah. thank you. It's, it's an honor to be on here. So, Well, that's cool because, I mean, you've given us a shout out um before that i heard that i was like oh my gosh like that's so cool um because to me it's kind of like come full circle i mean it's been years since i've started listening to world witchery it's always when people say what witchcraft podcast do you recommend you're always like in there and i mean i started out with you and of course like firelights inciting a riot mm-hmm. um down at the crossroads of course yeah um, and yeah so you guys kept me like you know, oh my gosh. And I, I mean, I find I listen to podcasts and stuff more than read books. Um, and it's just, it's always been like so informative and you've always, the stuff you and Lane do always speak to me because of the way I practice. And I like the, the folky side of it. I like the um, hands in the dirt and stuff like, <laughs> especially with your old intro where it's like, yes, these are, they're speaking to me. It's the root stones and bones, right? Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, and I mean, that's something I appreciate about kind of what you're doing as well is you're sort of taking, you know, there's a lot of people who do paranormal podcasts and there are people who incorporate certain aspects of, I think, certain aspects of sort of witchy spirituality into that. And I, have, I think that's wonderful. I think it's really, really lovely. Um, but one of the things I love about what you're doing um, or have been doing uh, is this sort of touching that with the folk magical side of it. So it's not, it's not just about sort of like, the uh the sort of uh 
you know, just like an ancestor worship approach to it, or just the sort of, uh, you know, um, burn, burn sage to purify the area or something like that, where it's, it's sort of the sort of generic advice, but you'll actually kind of get into the the dirt of it and, or talk about like the places that you're visiting and like sort of, you're almost running magical experiments in some of these places. And I think that's fascinating. Yeah. So. Um, that was always kind of, so as uh, when I, this is just stuff that I've done and the, the previous host had done as well. And like the people we featured is, this was stuff we're already doing and we were already mm -hmm. incorporating. And I guess that was actually something that wasn't really, it was considered as being a part of it, but it wasn't considered to be like what the show was about. It wasn't going to be, oh, this is a paranormal show where we talk about Amityville horror and shit like this. As much as I love true crime and all that, it wasn't going to be like, you know, I feel like there's these podcasts out here and some of them are really great that offer the, like you said, the spiritual side of, you know, there's a lot of witches and pagans that are, have always been fascinated by this stuff for good reason. Um, and it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another, it's like, well, why don't we just, and so I, I feel like that kind of developed um, into something. And I've always been one that likes to check out the, the places where cryptids are reported and mm -hmm. Bigfoot sightings. And so um, as the many things started with hex files, it mm -hmm. felt like this can be, Cursed can go more the witchery and paranormal, and then Hex Files can, you know, supplement that as well. But yeah, there's something <laughs> there's something to be said about um, being skeptical. And I mean, I'll be the first to say I don't believe in orbs in most of the time. I'm not ruling them out, but <laughs> most pictures, if you're kicking up dust and you just like, there's eight orbs in this picture, like that's dust. Um, <laughs> It's J.J. Abrams' lens flare, right? <laughs> yes. But I think there's something, like, one of the craziest experiences was the Brown Mountain Lights, um, mm. which is, you know, in um, the Blue Ridge, Appalachia, all that. And to take an approach of just what can we document from almost like, and I'm sure there's plenty out there that are like, you're not, you can't be a witch and have a scientific approach. But I do think that that, and also you're ignoring a spiritual and a magical for somebody that practices like I do, you just can't, but you can separate them. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like trying to talk to those things and things like that. So yes, um, <laughs> I appreciate that you enjoy that side of it. It kind of just wasn't expected, but it kind of happened that way. And um, so I was like, it's, it's not enough just to talk about what to do if you think your house is haunted, I guess. It's more like, sure. well, can you work with them, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned um, down at the crossroads and obviously so Chris, Chris and Tara, you know, wrote, wrote their book uh, a year or two ago and they talk a lot about, you know, working with kind of a local spirit. Um, and I think they get into the Jersey devil kind of for them. And, you know, it's, you're talking about like visiting these places where these cryptids are and in so many ways, those cryptids can really represent that sort of local spirithood um, and can be really, really interesting ways to tap into that sort of, um, the sort of magical history and magical, uh, I don't want to say magical energy because that sounds a little, a little more woo than I mean it to. Um, <laughs> but, but they, they give you a real sense of like what the textures and flavors of magic are in that area. So if you have something that's, you know, utterly terrifying and rooted in this kind of like fearful story of a, of a, of a woman giving birth to a 13th child that screeches out the window in the middle of the night when the devil transforms him or whatever, like that tells you something about the, the way magic works in that area. Well, um, and, you know, it, it kind of goes along with the the idea of different lores and uh, folk mm -hmm. tale, things like that when you talk about Seventh Sons and mm -hmm. all this and that. And like, so there's certain stories. And I mean, I think it started with Moon-Eyed People. I wanted to do something that was local and maybe not 
as widely known outside of the area. And Moonad people kind of accidentally became this gateway into, well, people have reports of seeing these, but they also came from a very spiritual slash physical place. Like what are they? They're, they're tied to Fae. They're tied to goblins. And, and I mean, what else when you talk about brownies and different house spirits, like there's a way to kind of cross these into there. And I'm not saying that Bigfoot is, um, you know, going to be like a spiritual guide for you, but I'm not saying that he won't. <laughs> Because, I mean, Bigfoot has very spiritual ties, especially with the natives and indigenous people. Um, yeah. Bigfoot was never just this entity that they were seeing. It, it had meaning for them. It was respected. It was honored. Like, so I think, yeah, even the Jersey Devil, um, especially in that area, I can see how that lore, and not just like now where Mothman seems to be like everybody's internet crush. Um you know, there it was an omen for them at the time. Yeah. We're wondering mm -hmm. if, so it's a lot more related than I even thought in the beginning. Because here's this kid that read all this shit and watched X Files and unsolved mysteries and all this, and then became a witch. And then at some point, I was like, why these do kind of overlap a little bit? But um, yeah, and I, I think for somebody like you, who um, you'll have to um, tell me and the listeners how long that you've been working and studying uh, folklore and different things, not just in witchcraft, because I'm sure that you've had an interest in that before mm -hmm. you were practicing witch. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I've, you know, I've mentioned the story uh, before, but sort of getting into, I've always been interested in magic. Magic's always been in sort of a guiding principle of my life i've always wanted to see sort of wonder and enchantment in the world like that's that's kind of my if i had to pick a sort of like personal mission in life it's to to let people see enchantment in the world and and also to not necessarily say that just because the world is enchanted um doesn't doesn't mean that it's all um you know rainbows and unicorns type magic it's it's scary too there's scary shit out there you know <laughs> enchantment yeah. goes both ways um, and in many other ways, right? It's a spectrum of, of, of sort of experience, which I think is really interesting about it. Um, so, yeah, so I've, you know, always had an interest in that, even from when I was, you know, a, a tween, really. Um, and I would watch these old universal horror films on, on you know, late night TV. And, um, you know, when I was staying over at my dad's house, he had HBO. And so I would stay up late and sneak in and, into the, the extra TV room and watch, you know, Tales from the Crypt. And, yeah, and I remember <laughs> so I doing that too, TV. like, yeah, everybody that age is like, oh, we're trying to watch scrambled porn. It's like, no, I'm trying to see Tales from the Crypt because I'm not allowed to watch this shit. Yeah. And, and you know, there were, there were definitely, you know, there were boobies on Tales from the Crypt. But oh. like, it was, it was one of those things where I was like, that was, that was totally incidental. Like, it was straight up. I was like, oh, no, horror stories. I love horror stories. I love spooky, yeah. scary, weird stuff. So, so yeah, that was definitely kind of my MO. Um, but then like, uh, you know, I've got really into like any, I've always also been the kind of person who, if I get an interest in something, I have to, I have to dig in, I have to know more about it and I have to eat, but the library is my first stop. So I would go and find these, um, books on these universal horror monsters in my library. Um, and they were just these, you know, simple kind of, you know, uh, you know, upper reader kids books that were sort of the backgrounds of the different movies, but it also include things like folklore from the film, what the films were based on. And I remember finding one on the Wolfman, which was a, a movie I really liked. Um, and it literally had this sort of excised ritual from some, I feel like it was a medieval grimoire, um, a, a yeah. sort of wolf transformation where they put on a wolf skin belt um, under, a, under a full moon, dancing around a fire and lathered themselves up with uh, wolf grease, which is, you know, rendered wolf fat um, and became this, this werewolf. 
and you know at that point i was like wait, wait a second this <laughs> this is this is not this is not just like something i'm seeing as a special effect in the movie this is something somebody somebody out there has done this yes and i wonder <laughs> like so from that point on, I'm like, so how do I acquire a wolfskin belt, sir? Like, is that something I could put on my Christmas list? Yes, and um, can I grease myself up with uh, wolf fat? <laughs> can that be a stocking stuffer? How does that work? Um, so, so yeah, so that was a real sort of motivation. And really from that point on, I was, I was always looking for myths and folklore. Uh, my, my mom was a, a school teacher, and so um, she would teach units on things like Irish uh, history and Irish mythology and Irish folklore for, for one of her classes. And so I was, you know, sort of immersed in that for a while. So it was just all this, this folklore stuff that was around, but um, I really didn't, didn't dig in deep until uh, I spent a year living overseas in Europe. Um, and then, and I was teaching English over there and there were things that happened over there, things that I saw that made me immediately go, this is not what I'm used to, but this is really magical. Like I would see these, these hounds that people were walking around that were literally up to their shoulders in height. And I was like, that, that seems like a fake creature. That's not a real thing, is it? And it is, it's, 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 a, it's kind of a deer hound, a type of deer hound they have over there. Um, and it's, but it's huge and it just looked like out of a fairy tale and all the stuff over there, like, my friends and I would joke we'd go vampire hunting at night because we just kind of wander the streets of this right. uh, sort of central European city. But at the time, and, it probably felt like, oh shit, like it's not out of the realm of possibility that uh, right. one <laughs> might show up. Yeah, we, we actually might get jumped with, like we were, it was always the sort of thing. It's like, listen, if something shows up, do not split up. That's, that's how things go wrong. Don't split right. up. So. Yeah, I've seen these movies. Yes, um, we know how this, we've seen it in stories. Uh, we know how this works. I, I love the idea of the the wolf belt story and all that where it comes from because like there's so much tied to, into shape shifting yeah and even like um, skinwalkers things like that where they're in astral travel and doing things like that so um, yeah you'd be surprised where it's like oh a werewolf might sound like on the surface it's just a monster and people were scared and it came up but like even with vampires like you can get in some really deep like gritty. Oh, yeah lore about like oh fuck this is scarier than because imagine the person that puts on the wolf skin belt and right. covers themselves in the grease like they don't need to turn into a full-on wolf for to be <laughs> terrifying really terrifying yeah no if you're wandering if you're wandering a road late at night and you hear that going on the forest and you peek through the trees and see it you're gonna run <laughs> and what you're gonna tell everybody is there's a dude out there who's a werewolf that that is all that happened so yeah, no, that absolutely is the case. And, and I mean, and seeing all that, you know, encountering all that really kind of shaped me. And I was already kind of interested in magic and, and more Wicca sort of flavored witchcraft at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I came back, I had sort of thought, well, if that's all over there, what am I not seeing from sort of having been immersed in my own culture for long enough that, I, I, you know, I, I'm just missing it because I'm not paying close enough attention. So I started thinking about things from my upbringing, these little verbal charms that were around me. I lived in the South, so... There was a lot of uh, sort of magical lore associated with the regions I lived in. Um, conjure, uh, Southern Conjure and, and Hoodoo were actually present around me if I just looked a little harder. Yes. Um, well, and I think there's a combination, which we talk about um, somebody like Jake Richards and his book. Yeah. Um, and then you just had him on and I was just listening to that today. Um, there's a lot here that maybe get gets overlooked because it's, it's tied to tradition and the people here would never call it witchcraft. They'd right. never call it, they would call it like, but I mean, 
you know, whether it's using Bible verses or little tricks of things that they do that they grew up learning about um, that today we would call, oh, this is um, a spell or a mm-hmm. curse or a protection. Um, and to them, it was just the way it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, somebody might say like, oh, you know, take this, take this little packet with you, you know, carry it in your pocket or, you know, well, here's my lucky charm. Right. And right. they're not thinking of it as the, here's my, here's my, you know, talismanic, you know, token that I'm, I'm passing right. on to you, but it's, it's the language and the immersion of it. Um, the, the Bible is a really good a, a point there because like that is very deeply ingrained with some of the magic that we find uh, in, in the American South and throughout sort of North America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so you can't, you can't just look at it and say, um, you know, th- if you, if you see something that's incredibly wicka washed um, in terms of North American folk magic, it, it, it loses, it loses some of the, the, the connection to the culture it's actually from. Yes. And, and it makes it really, really hard to, to take it as seriously, I think for some people, because, um, be, because you're sort of pulling it out of its natural context. Now that's not to say that there isn't stuff that's not, of course, Christian, or, or you're in a sort of based in that sort of Judeo-Christian background. So one of the groups I kind of work with a little bit up here, or at least I've had some good contact with, is the Erglova, um, Erglova community, and they are Pennsylvania German, um, and they're pulling from these Pennsylvania German roots, uh, and they're they're fascinating, and they they do really really cool stuff, um, and it's very kind of that um, same stuff that you would find with like Pennsylvania German Christian groups doing powwow and brachurai. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they have a, a more sort of uh, Teutonic mythology that goes along with, but it's a very specifically kind of American North American Teutonic mythology that was brought over here with that group. And they've done a lot of work. One of the main people involved has done, you know, something like 60 or 70 interviews with people and really found these threads um, of, you know, like, Oh, Oh, well, so you have these, these um, uh, specific uh, like uh, uh, I think Diener is, I think one of, one of the, the people that they work with, you know, so this person gets mentioned in this charm well okay why are they getting mentioned in this charm if they're supposed to be christian and so they can unpack that but right. <laughs> but you have to do that kind of excavation you can't just sort of layer it on and be like you know you, you know well you can you know do this this healing charm but you can layer in you know any god or goddess and it works the same because it, it doesn't quite do that right so. and i think and it's not so much as um saying that it's um like a gatekeeping or saying yeah. like well we can't practice this because it's not i mean you know, that's not to say about closed traditions, things like that, but mm-hmm. um, there is something to be said about learning and being aware of what's around you and um, what's steeped here and what spirits work with you and like, or with this region and it's familiar. And I, I just feel like there, I in myself when I started was kind of like, okay, I felt called by Hecate and I feel like, what does that mean? I have to, you know, one-on-one baby witch. It's like, do I have to do Greek stuff, Pantheon stuff, like what? And then you find out so much more, but, um, you know, then it was like, well, I'm calling myself, I'll tell people I'm almost basically Wiccan when they ask, because that's more palatable, mm-hmm. but then it became witch. And then like, I mean, even now it's just more, I would consider myself, you know, at some point it's like, oh, I'm traditional witchcraft. Cause that seemed right. But now just, I mean, witch and animist are like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's, kind of like the idea of if it's here why not try to to work with it you don't have to think well i need to call on this deity that you know is many miles and cultures away maybe removed i'm here with my hands in this dirt what can i summon and work with here um and i think that's why the appalachia area and like the with the southern continent and all this stuff feels so 
um, rich and intertwined because like, again, it's something that's frowned on here, depending on what you call it and yeah. what you're doing with it. But people have been doing it for um, ages. Uh, and it's like, even with your, uh, which I just asked you about the crown of success, success oil, mm-hmm. um, you've put the Psalms in it and stuff. I mean, that's basically a part of the Bible that's like magical workings. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, it takes a little bit of an, in digging into and looking around. And I love um, when you say like, you know, libraries, cause I feel like there's just, there's nothing better than like looking up and finding these things that way, you know, instead of just like Google searching, which definitely has help and has a place. But uh, I remember looking at like the weird books, you know what I mean? Like looking them mm-hmm. up and like, yeah, and like use that interlibrary loan service, right? Get 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 right. the weirdest books that are located, you know, in, in one specific library in the country, but you can order them and they'll be here in two weeks. Which is yes. fantastic! I love that. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess I'll return it uh, when I'm done with it. But um, yeah, after I make extensive notes, <laughs> yes. Right. So I mean, I guess you know, for you, lore and like all the have always been a part of your life. Yeah. Um, and so I guess that's a passion you've just continued um, yeah. up into writing what I imagine has been years of work, um, this book that you've got coming out. And we're going to talk about corpse magic for the most part of this, but um, just to plug your book real quick, um, I haven't got a chance to read it yet, but I did receive it. Um, so I can't w- wait to read the um, uncondensed version because I'm going hard. On all 500 pages. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a doorstop in some ways. So right. What are you like the Stephen King of Llewellyn now? Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I did think I have to sell a lot more books before they'll call me that. <laughs> um, yeah. But if you can just give like a brief description of your book, I'm sure you've done this elsewhere. But for our listeners, um, this is something you guys should be excited for because I am as somebody who's listened to Corey and New World Witchery. The fact that he's coming out with a book and I'm sure it's maybe not your last one, but hopefully not. No. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine all the information you've got stuffed into this. I mean, it is a lot. Um, and, and when I first proposed it, um, you know, I, I, my first initial proposals, I, I had publishers who were kind of looking at it and they would say like, is there any way to like take pieces of this and just do parts of it instead? <laughs> and I, my approach was, was kind of like, well, no, if I can avoid doing that at all, I really want to avoid doing that because yeah. this is this is sort of represents what I've been doing with the show um, yes. for the past ten years, and really even beyond that, for the past almost thirteen years at this point, I've been focused on this. You're like, this is the condensed version. <laughs> it is. It's kind. Of, it's. I mean, I hate to, you know. In some ways, you kind. It's kind of my brain on paper. Um, it's. It's. It's anything that I was able to sort of track down i think there's something like 500 individual little pieces of folklore kind of woven throughout this book um all all from kind of north american sources uh you know ranging all over the map in terms of kind of cultural um cultural influence but um the idea is basically uh this this is this is not a book that's going to be sort of like here here is hoodoo and here's how to do hoodoo and here is uh powwow and here's how to do powwow uh, here's Curinderismo and here's how to do Curinderismo. It's it's not that. Um, it it talks about all of those things in terms of sort of making making points and making references to the types of folk magic you find. But what it really is asking you to do, you know, you talk, we talked about this, you know, going to the library, looking stuff up, and it it asks you to to look for that, and then to also kind of look at your own community, look at your own life, 
um, the, the groups to which you already belong, um, because you're going to find that there is actually folklore already around you. Mm -hmm. And if you look hard enough, you're going to find the folk magic that exists in the spaces that you already occupy and that you can work with. Um, and this just points out kind of some of the ones that you might find in those spaces. And it covers, I've sort of, um, I've sort of, uh, you know, very full of myself divided this book into 13 rights because I'm <laughs> a huge nerd. <laughs> I mean, aren't we all? <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope people are folk magic nerds like me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I can't be the only one excited about this because like when you say it's your brain on paper, I'm like, that's what I fucking am excited about. <laughs> My, yeah, my fear is like, it's all of my brain on paper and there's nothing left for the future. But I, I think there's stuff. I think there's stuff I can do. But no, the whole idea is like, you know, I've got these kind of quote unquote rights, which are basically these sort of um, signposts along the path of witchcraft that we find repeated throughout multiple traditions in North America, having anything to do with folk magic and each kind of right. So for example, flight, um, that there's different versions of flight uh, that, that witches do in different North American traditions. So the chapter on flight digs into the idea of, uh, you know, everything from, you know, boo hag legends, right. Um, to, to using witch grease, uh, to, to sort of achieve flight to, you know, what about, you know, what about broomsticks? You know, how, where do those fit into all this? And it looks at all those different angles. Where can you put them? No. Yeah. Because that was kind of the idea, right. Is that, you know, well, that's, that's the story that's been passed around, but is yeah. that true or not, right? And so it becomes this question of, uh, you know, how likely was it that people were using this as a sort of, um, uh, you know, a phallic symbol? And, and what you find is like brooms were not the only thing people were using. They were using um, any farm implement uh, as yeah. a sort of uh, instrument for, for this kind of ritualized flight. Um, but they could also, you know, also use animals. So you have uh, witches riding on goats in some stories and witches yeah. riding on human beings that they have sort of bewitched into becoming magical horses for them, like, right? Yeah, hag riding. And you can, yeah. I think looking at the story too, is that you, because you didn't want to be seen doing that, is you yeah. would use somebody else, even your, like your neighbor, not just in take the animal form or use one. And yeah. then be the stand-in for you as almost like a zombie kind of, um, but no, I love that part of, um, I guess you would, yeah, that American, like, because it's like, well, did they or didn't they? What's like, how much of this is conflated with like the witch panic and all this stuff and how much is actually like useful and what was it used for? Because you yeah. hear, especially lately about flying ointments so much. And it's like, here's the thing is like, there's so much of it that didn't, actually happen and that they were accused of but like how mm -hmm. much of it is actual work and how much was it actually practiced yeah absolutely and then and then you also have these really amazing kind of north american variations so like bear and skunk grease are really really common as ointments for for healing they're healing ointments but then it wouldn't have been that hard to sort of take them that next level to become you know a shape-shifting ointment right, right. Um, or something like that yeah. And then, you know, and, and then you also have to ask questions about, you know, why, why are people doing this? So like the flight, again, the flight chapter, I kind of talk about, um, I probably should talk about the corpse chapter more than the flight chapter, but here we are. Um, but yeah, but so like, you know, you have to ask questions about why are they flying? And so one of the things that I get into is the idea that um, flight represented sort of one of the few ways that, that women could get away from um, domestic situations, right? That this was, you know, if a, if a woman could fly out at night, um, she was she was experiencing some of the very very little freedom that she could experience in that in certain parts of the culture, 
Um, and that sometimes, you know, when she was prevented from taking her skin back, um, it was actually kind of a blessing because she was freed from, from oftentimes, you know, an abusive. If you think about like the stories of like the husband salting her skin, right? What right. does that say the husband, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, why is he salting her skin? She didn't do anything to him. She's, she, you know, she's just going out and having a good time. Uh, he can't, yeah. if he can handle that. You know, she's going out drinking with her friends. You know? <laughs> if you can't handle that, then she didn't need to be with him. And so you can look at like um, this idea of the uh, uh, of the witch flight as this um, sort of way of pushing back against patriarchal culture in some ways. Um, and you have all kinds of stories kind of associated with like, um, you know, the witch, witches that turn people into animals. Sometimes they're doing that. There's one story I love, um, this witch named Betty Booker up in Ma uh, Maine, who basically she she asked for some fish from this local skipper who ran a, a fishing boat um, and he was just snotty as hell to her and you know said well you're going to pay me up front because I don't like you um, so you, you know I'm going to make you pay up front and more for this fish well so <laughs> she cursed him he didn't catch any fish came home you know barely limped back into port and then she rides him all night and like the last thing she says is she leaves is like next time maybe you should be a little more generous about what you do <laughs> It's, it's it's this sort of so it's this justice right she's exacting a kind of justice that she couldn't get by taking him to court right. um but saying like look you have a community obligation you are ob obligated to help to carry your neighbors you are not doing that and so you have a consequence yes. and i love that i love that that's there <laughs> so so yeah so that's kind of how this book is set up is you have these different rights to dig into these pieces of folklore go all over the place with it like i said it's my brain on paper you can already yeah. tell it's a it's going to be a trip <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. Um, and you're going to, with your book, you'll, it's like you're writing us. Um, but I have, um, I got it and I was like, I'm not going to start yet because I am trying to like read about being like a MUFON field investigator. Sure. Yeah. Like, no, I saw that that. Is, That's that awesome. is definitely like a textbook thing. And like, for me, that yeah. kind of like, yes, I know I have my opinions and beliefs and I can feel like you know, that unknown of like, how do you tie the spiritual with it? But it also satisfies that very like scientific, like just cut and dry. This is unbiased research um, and documentation. And um, so I'm like, okay, well, can I jump between reading Corey's book and studying uh, the MUFON manual? Yeah. Um, I think that I can. Um, I've done harder things. <laughs> but I don't want to go to take the test and then be like, so what's this about witches riding um, possums in Appalachia? Oh, uh, that, I, I, that was, you know, related to aliens, I think. But uh, no, I'm very excited to jump into that too. Um, and that's out, that's supposed to be out next year, right? Yeah, it's going to be out. Um, my, my understanding is around April of 2021 is when it'll, when it'll finally hit bookshelves. It's available for pre-order right now on bookshop.org uh, and other places as well. So Okay, well, I'll have to put that link in the show notes because yeah. I need to pre-order it too because I'm not just... Oh, you, yeah. I'm, I'm, um, I'm glad that you're reading it. And I also know, like, I sent this to you like a couple of days ago and it's, it is flipping huge. So I had no expectation that you were going to get through it. So well, don't, um, don't yeah, I'm going to have to, um, but no, I, it's just, it's geared right towards me. And I mean, I love, um, especially lately, some of the, the books that are coming out are just mm -hmm. so many that it's like, they're stacking up and I'm like, Oh, I got to get to, but I mean, just yours has a special place for me because it, it, it talks about a different side of witchcraft that interests me more than anything else. And that would be like, the lore and the stories and finding out. And of course, that's where I reside in any way, especially whether it's 
like you said, the Jersey Devil or flying ointments, like all of that stuff is fascinating to me. And um, probably what drew me to your show, like people are talking about this, like this is part of witchcraft, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, but when you said, hey, um, I had asked before, like, oh, I would love to have you on. Um, and you were like, yeah, I could talk corpse magic. I'm like, the fuck? Yes, let's do that. <laughs> and you were like, really? And I'm like, fuck yes. Um, and I, like, I was joking with you. I did not get a corpse. Uh, I ran out of time. Um, no time. I'll find no one time. later. I'll make sure it's organic. But if, if I know anything about corpse magic, it's more along the lines of what I think would be kind of like the idea of, necromancy or using but i mean i'm so purposely like i want my first thing was like let me google this but i was like no i want Corey to tell me about corpse magic um because i'm just i don't know if anybody else loves the idea of corpse magic but um surely you'd have to be a little bit interested to be listening to either one of our podcasts so right yeah, and, and honestly, like I, it, it just sort of coincided. This is going to wind up being out sometime near Halloween, which yeah. I think is is yeah. just amazing synchronicity. You have plenty of time to get your corpses. Um, <laughs> Go I don't know. We don't. Do we need a whole corpse or do we need like a part of one? It depends on what you want to do, right? And then yeah. your whole like your local corpse, your body, your basically your body farm to table. Right. And I don't. I think all you need is like um, one of the like uh, phalanges. I don't think you need the full like even think like you just need a little finger bone to get some stuff done if you have to. So if you find a body. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a whole, a whole body, my goodness, that'll, that'll keep you, that'll keep you in magic for a year. To, now we should say like, please don't go dig up corpses on account of. <laughs> right. If you, yeah. Don't, if you come across one and find it, like. Report you know, that to the, the authorities, right. please. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, but no, don't go digging up um, bodies. Make no. sure you get them. Like, like I said, humanely and locally sourced uh fair trade uh but no uh so i'm really excited i'm sure there's plenty of cultures and stories about corpse magic that i probably yeah. didn't know about and probably didn't even realize that it would fall under that category so yeah well i mean so so yeah so you were asking you, you know you were asking about like corpse magic and you know all the whole thing of the part and, and one of the things that i think is interesting is a lot of people actually do some version of corpse magic, even if they don't know that they're doing it. So for example, have you ever made a wish on a wishbone? Oh my God, you're right. Right? So this yeah. is using, it's, it's a bird's corpse, but it's a, it's a type of corpse magic, right? Yeah, you're like, tonight at 11, your teens are using corpse magic under your nose and you don't even know about it. It's your um, Thanksgiving about corpse rituals. Right. But yeah, you're, you're right. And I mean, I'm always somebody who collects bones and shit like that, but like, to, to common people, most people think, oh, it's fun or whatever, but like you're, you're playing with, you know, I mean, you just ate a, a corpse, but you're also playing with its bones now. Um, right. Yeah. And it's, it, it, you know, if you give yourself, you know, you know, a thousand feet of distance and look at that again and you th- think like, wait a second, why are we playing a wishing game with the, desic- you know, the, the, the yeah. desecrated corpse of this animal? Don't think about it. Don't right. About it. Just do it. Well, and that's just it. That's that's kind of how this kind of stuff works. Is people don't think about the fact that this is integrated in the life that they already live. So, so again, like wishbones is one thing. Um, dice. Sometimes people use dice as fortune telling devices, right? Yes. Um, and dice and even dominoes to some extent. Those can be carved from bone. Dice really come right. from the idea that there's they get called bones or they get called uh, knuckle bones, right? Right. 
because oh, that's where they're they really come cool. From. Yeah, they're really cool ones that, um, like you'll see with runes and stuff, like actual <laughs> like um, using those bones and stuff. Like I love that. Uh, but horns too, I guess would count, right? I mean, you can, sh you know, some things shed those, like antlers and stuff. But that's still yeah. part of you know a body. Um, and yeah. I, I would say like, I mean, we all know that there's something up with rabbit's foot and luck and sure. all that. So. Yeah. So all that stuff, I mean, that's, that is pervasive in the culture around us where whether you like it or not, you know, it's, it's something that you probably have had connections with or access to, even if you're not thinking about it, like that's, that's there or, or, you know, even to the point of just things that we do that are little superstitions that we grew up with. So for example, um, did you ever do the thing where when you're passing by a graveyard, you hold your breath? I've never done it, but I'm aware that that's mm -hmm. like a thing. Yeah, or you you know even sometimes you hold your breath as you cross over train tracks near a graveyard or things like that. Is that tied to like when people say like when they whistle past a graveyard? Mm -hmm. um, that yeah, because you invite the dead to follow you home, right? Yeah, right. And that's this is again it's this it's this little stuff that's all around you all the time. Um, and then there's more there's more dramatic stuff, of course. There's stuff that we can get into that is that goes much deeper, has much more sort of specific regional um, cachet and value, but. But it's it's worth remembering, like, you know, when we talk about Corpse Magic, it sounds really fun to be like, yeah, we're talking about Corpse Magic. We're, you know, we're the badasses of the, of the magical scene. Oh, yeah. But what's what so we're really doing, metal. Yeah, it's, it sounds so metal. But at the same time, what you're really talking about is stuff that's super pervasive. Everybody does this, even if they don't know it. Um, now, that being said, not everybody's going out and, like, crafting a hand of glory, <laughs> which is well, probably, uh, like, I hope there's a recipe <laughs> instructions in your book. <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned loosely uh, the, the way that a hand of glory works in, in my book. There's a lot of other sources on it. I, I don't really want to encourage people to go out and make a hand of glory if I can avoid that um, because yeah. it involves, you know, it involves desecrating the corpse of, a, of uh, an executed prisoner, which is, you know, as it is, there's complications in our lives that we don't need to, to add to. <laughs> so. But um, but yeah, the hand of glory was this this thing that people could make. Um, they would use. And there was a few different ways that you could make it. One was that you took the severed, uh, usually the severed left hand of a convicted criminal that had been hanged. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's other there's other lore that goes with that. So they would say that um, the oftentimes when people are hung, um, they uh, ejaculate as well. Um, and so they would say that the the semen that fell on the ground is where mandrakes would come from. So there was oh. a connection there too. Um, then that's not <laughs> biologically true, but it is an interesting bit of folklore that kind of connects. Right. Again, you, could, magic and, you could stand around and watch to see, but <laughs> you could, I, I don't know. I mean, I think after a certain point, you know, even, even I would be like, that's a little weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so the idea is like you take this severed hand from the, 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 the convicted criminal and then you pickle it or you, uh, preserve it in some way. Sometimes it was, you know, mummifying it. Um, and then when you light the fingers, um, then they one either they uh, either they only give light to you so you can see in darkness but no one else can see you, or they put people to sleep in the house that you carry it around. Uh, so if you walk around a house while holding it, it'll put everyone to sleep, which means that you can then break in and rob them. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess in that sense, if you were another criminal, then yeah. you'd be like, I could see the application for this. Oh but yeah, you're like, man, I went through all this work and all I can do is fucking like. <laughs> put people to sleep around me like but yeah i mean you could do a lot of stuff with it and then you would risk yeah. 
becoming a hand of glory yourself. But yeah, no, that's, and that's, you know, that's the price that you have to be, you know, willing to pay for this is, are you going to be the next hand of glory? Are you going to carry that on? And so for some people, it was actually, they would take the hand and it, you didn't light the fingers, you would wrap the hand around a candle. And so that was, that was what oh. you would light. Um, yeah, there was another... about the fingers being lit, which, I yeah. mean, you know, human fat can yeah. be used to make soap, uh, sure. <laughs> to make candle. As Fight Club has taught us, yeah. Um, yes. So, so yeah. So, I mean, that's that's probably the the one that is the most dramatic is picturing sort of the fingers on fire because it's very monkey's paw esque. But, but you go, you could also make a similar one. You could take the shin bone of the criminal and fill it with tallow and make a candle, and it would do the same thing. So, there's all these kind of different things that you can do with sort of the desecrated corpse of these these criminals. And you would then be able to use these kind of magically to to enable you to go out and do other things like uh, commit similar crimes. So so if, imagine you know imagine if you're an assassin, right? Like that's your job is to to you know kill and rob. Right. Um, if you have something that you can use to put people to sleep, um, one that means a lot less people to have to fight back uh, whatever yes. you're doing, um, and two you're, you're less detectable. If you're the only one who can see the light of the candle, um, that right. is. This makes me think of like you know, Skyrim shit, like you're upping your, um, mm -hmm. your sneak. Um, yeah. but like, I guess it does it now after each finger burns down, is that, is that when it's done? You need another one? Yeah. You'd, I mean, you would have to, in theory, I don't think you're, it, it, it's not supposed to ever expire. Like it's supposed to sort of be perpetual. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I also imagine that there's only a certain amount of time. Like it, well, the way I kind of imagine it sort of through the folklore is that by the time that you could burn the whole thing down, you're probably going to get caught and you're going to be the next hand glory anyway. So yeah. they know, also uh, had a lot more hand to use. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It depends on like, you'd really want to get the person with the long fingers. They need to be a piano player. Like that was yeah. their, their secondary occupation. Right. Yeah. Not the ones who have already been like, who have lost fingers and like logging or, yeah doing woodwork or something like get you a good one yeah yep so that was uh you know that's that's a pretty i don't know if it's well known but it's certainly one that i think more people know about and again it's you know it's corpse lore but it's not necessarily corpse lore that um that people think about as you know magical corpse lore but it's it's certainly worth you know revisiting there yeah cause um, it's not in like modern books where it's like um how to you know do this how to do this how to make your own hand, hand of glory um, mm -hmm. because you know, it, it doesn't fall into the category of useful magic, I guess in the modern day, like the idea of like learning witchcraft and spells and all that. Yeah. Like that's something that you kind of attribute to like horror stories and things like this, but um, yeah, it, it would still be seen as the same kind of sorcery um, that any other, I guess, in like flying ointments doing things like this like it would fall into that same category of the time i would imagine um, yeah. whereas like you said today we do, we don't picture it as being like a magical use of you know a hand but um. right well right and then you can sort of you know one thing I'd, I'd sort of thought about i had this discussion i think with lane somewhat recently where we were somehow this came up and we were thinking about the idea of like wax hands uh you know you know how you can do those like wax hands where you dip your hands in the wax and yeah they make like a the red test yeah exactly so but like if you mingled graveyard dirt with that mm -hmm. um and you know and uh maybe did some certain kinds of sort of secretive or baneful herbs that you wanted to incorporate into that okay. um coffin nails or, or whatever you want to sort of include in that you might be able to get a similar effect and think about like you know, if you have one of those burning next to you while you're, if you're, uh, if you're somebody who's, you know, a cyber criminal, right. Or if you're somebody who's like trying to, you know, 
um, part of anonymous or something like that. You're trying to hack something. Well, you, you know. heard it here from Corey. Here's how to make a hand glory easy, fast, um, it burning while you're, um, you know, but no, that, I mean, that's such a good way to look at it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, if you get, um, cause that's the kind of the thing, like I, I, I use coffin nails a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you consider that corpse magic? I mean, it's corpse adjacent. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Corpse and coffin. Like, so we're thinking, you know, coffins and there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole thing where like, um, if you had really bad cramps or like intestinal disorders, you could take the hinges of a coffin and melt them down to make a ring. And that ring um, would prevent those cramps. Like it was a, a sort of a healing ring that you could use. Well, I know somebody on Etsy is making those. So I'm going to go find them. <laughs> Not for my cramps, but because like, I mean, that's fuck. Oh, this, this is just coffin hinges melted down. Um, but no, I think like for me, I use coffin nails a lot mm-hmm. and you'd have to understand that when you buy them or you find them, you can, I typically try to make mine. Um, you're not actually buying real coffin nails because like at a time you could probably come across those uh, mm-hmm. in one way or another, but now they, they're not any less effective um, when you ask people when they, how and when they use them for certain things. But um, the idea is just you're kind of improvising, you're taking a nail and you're putting it in graveyard dirt and you're simulating, I guess, what would be a coffin nail. And so I don't think that that's far removed from the idea of getting a wax hand, filling mm-hmm. it with certain things and treating it like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a variation. And this is the thing. Folklore is all about variation. You're doing similar things, but they have variations depending on kind of your resources and what's available to you um, and your, your, you know, your skill sets. And in our case, most coffins anymore are hermetically sealed, you know, freezer chests more than anything. They're not, they're not really nailed shut. So finding actual coffin nails would be very, very difficult unless you happen to be, you know, uh, you know, somebody who, works with a local graveyard historical association or something like that. And, you know, they're doing exhumations or they're doing um, relocations of graves. And sometimes that will involve kind of moving the the older coffins and stuff. Yeah. And just anything that falls out, you can grab a couple. (laughs) No, you really can't. (laughs) There's a lot of laws (laughs) about that. But, um, but, but at the same time, like, you know, that's the kind of thing, like you have to have really specific inroads to be able to do it, which makes, you know, uh, a real kind of quote unquote authentic coffin. Certainly maybe a little more, um, desirable or, or powerful in certain ways, but it doesn't mean that what you're doing is going to be not powerful because you've taken the basic idea of it and, and made an adaptation sort of a modern era that makes sense, right? It makes sense that, you know, you're at least incorporating the power of the graveyard dirt with the power of the, usually the iron and the, the sort of the square cut nail, right? So yeah. you're still in the same ballpark with the magic and you can still get ballpark same effects. So yeah. And if you can't sleep, yeah. light your fucking hand on, you know, <laughs> get your hand candle Put yourself well. I guess it wouldn't put you to sleep, would it? Yeah, Just if you're the one doing, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe if you've, you've got friends, I don't know. Probably melatonin gummies are, are a better way to go with that. But you know, right? Put melatonin gummies in the wax hand. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, just, you know, mingle, you know, put some CBD oil in there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, no, it, it is, it's, it's interesting because we do see these kind of variations every time and you can kind of um, work with it. So, so now, you know, our contact with corpses is very, very different. So we, we have a very different sort of interaction with, with yeah. them. Um, and so corpse magic that you read about or, or that you hear about from older generations is very different than kind of how we, 
would envision it now. And we sometimes are very scandalized by it. Um, right. So it's, it, I don't know. I think, I think it's really, really fascinating. Just, yeah. There's, there's not corpses lying in the streets anymore. Like there used to be. Uh, <laughs> so it makes it harder. What are some other, I guess, like um, lesser known things? Sure. Um, I mean, I would argue maybe the, um, the hand of glory is not maybe, I think a monkey paw is more understood by like, I guess, you know, um, what would you call it? Like the mainstream idea and thinking about mm -hmm. if, if you say a hand of glory, not many people might know what that is. So I, I know what are, uh, cause I would like to get into like, what are some of the, the uses that, um, that happen? Like you said, the wishbone and stuff that we don't really see, but then I really want to know like, some of the weird stuff say, right yeah i don't want to say like what are the most fucked up things but like i also want to say that <laughs> sure no okay well so uh one that i think is really really interesting is there's um there's a love charm that uh, i believe it's mostly i've mostly seen it kind of in ozark uh folklore collections but i think it goes throughout some of the southern mountains and the idea is that if you take a needle and you stick it into a corpse um, and then pull the needle out of the corpse and take a little bit of the winding sheet and wrap the needle in the winding sheet and carry it with you. Um, uh, it was it was a love charm that um, particularly at the time they would sort of make, say young women could use, and they could get any man they wanted. Um, they would pick and choose the man that they wanted, and as long There's as they one, were carrying that charm. terrifying that they put the needle <laughs> in that corpse. So fine, I guess. Yeah. But then yeah, there's um, sort of a sense of like, well, what wouldn't she do? <laughs> right. But it made me think of like when you're checking to see if your brownies or cake is done with like the two. It's like you put your needle in, and oh, this corpse is good. This is a good one. Um, yeah. how well done it is. Yeah. You know, you're looking for the pop-up thermometer in the corpse. Um, <laughs> right. Which you already <laughs> desecrated with the wishbone. So, so yeah, so that's one that you could do. Um, there was a, uh, there's a really strong belief, and this is one that I've seen even into, into the modern era that, um, when you go to a funeral or when you go to a, a funeral or a wake, if the body is presented that when you go up, you're supposed to touch the body, um, uh, in some way, shape, or form, because otherwise um, the spirit can haunt you. The spirit can can come and find you and haunt you because you didn't actually say your goodbyes, right? Like you're supposed to actually say your goodbyes. Yeah, um, like here it's um, you know, especially with all the like visit visitations and like the wake and stuff with um, the South. It's like when you don't have a body, like for viewing, they're like, what the fuck? Uh, my grandfather, when he passed, he was cremated and we just had, you know, like a memorial service and like people were like, where, where's the body? Um, I kind of was hoping to see it, but you can also like if your next funeral, take a little needle and just slip it in real quick. <laughs> if you <laughs> Into the ashes, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, but there, there, you know, <clears throat> there's a very real sense that like this contact with the body is, it has, it has magical properties. It has magical um <clears throat> has magical weight behind it so well is there any way that like, like what would be the idea behind it i guess just because it seemed disrespectful not to like interact with it and touching seems to be the most interacting method or? yeah so yeah so i mean that part of the folklore i mean the ne the needle part of the folklore i'm not entirely sure i don't really know how you break that down interpretively <laughs> uh, i think it's an interesting piece of lore um somebody and, did it and then they got a, the guy they wanted and they were like you know what this fucking works yeah that that or somebody was like hmm well, how can i make how can i make Susie look like a real idiot um <clears throat> i'm gonna tell her about this charm um but uh but no i think that you're you're right that there's the sense of like you have to have contact with the deceased one last time you have to make that final contact um, so that they can they can be at rest and so that you can be at peace and so that it's sort of confirming that death to you um, 
because you touch them and they're, if you've ever touched a dead body and I, and I have touched dead bodies, um, when right. you touch yeah. this dead, <laughs> I'm not going to incriminate myself <laughs> on my, po- my own podcast. No, um, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I've, but yes, I've, I've touched dead bodies. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so if you, if you, you know, when you touch those, they're very, they have a very different feel. They, they, they don't feel like the person that they were anymore. Um, and so it is this sort of confirmation. It's this tactile confirmation to yourself that, you know, this is not the person that it once was. This no longer houses that person. Yeah. It's a um, closure too. Yeah, exactly. It's closure. Um, and so there's that aspect to it. And then for the, uh, it's, you know, for the, the spirit that might be lingering around, you know, having that last moment of saying goodbye, because you have to sort of, you know, you have to sort of uh, approach the coffin and you have to sort of, there's this respectful moment. There's this, you know, we, a lot of times people are very upset, uh, things like that. So this gives them a chance to say that goodbye in some way. So See, I like that. Yeah. So it works both ways. I think that's cool. But th- what's funny is there's also a, um, a superstition um, that if, if you're crying and your tears fall into the coffin onto the winding sheet or the corpse, um, then that's going to be very, very bad luck. So you have to be a little careful. I can't imagine how, how much many, yeah, there's been, a, I'm sure a lot of people that happens. To, yeah. because, you know, it's, and yeah, so that's, uh, is that, uh, where does that originate from? Is that just, is that North American? Or no, that, that one, that one I think stems back to at least British Isles lore. Um, uh, I've seen it in collections and it's set in the British Isles. Uh, but I mean, that also winds up making it over here, at least into some of the sort of, um, the you know English colony areas and even into some of the sort of Scots Irish areas uh, as well. So it's not uncommon. So yeah, so you see it kind of uh, scattered around here and there. I don't think you know in the modern day. I don't I don't know anybody who necessarily abides by that currently. But right. I, I do know that you know the, the same way that people are are all about the same way that modern day people I think do abide by the like touch the corpse for, for one last time, give you know a final kiss goodbye. Like uh-huh. that's fairly normal. The crying part is not necessarily thought of as, as part of our, our culture anymore. Um, so. In my, even with everything that I do and read, I've not come across a lot of those um, in a magical witchery sense, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause we say witchcraft here, but a lot of what you're talking about, maybe not actually fall under witchcraft, witchcraft, just magical mm-hmm. uh, kind of, you know, like, people weren't doing good luck charms in a witchcraft sense. They weren't thinking, Oh my God, this is, you know, it was just a thing that you did Um, Mm -hmm. like lore and all that fun stuff. But um, so when you said it's in your book too, I thought you were just like, yeah, you know, I really want to talk about corpses right now. Um, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't realize there's a whole section in your book. So I'm excited about that part um, because I just don't, I just, I don't see, I don't see enough of corpse magic these days. <laughs> well, no, and it's not, it's not, um, it's, it's so funny because it's not something we think about, but it is something that like, it, it lingers on with us in some way. So for example, you know, you mentioned the, the sort of Victorian era corpse jewelry, but the other thing that was really big in Victorian era was corpse photography, right? Um, right. And doing these like photographs of recently deceased relatives, even, you know, children and things like that and being staged and posed. And that coincides very, very tightly, very closely with the rise of spiritualism um, and people attempting to take spirit photographs as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those two things are very, very interwoven. And we see, you know, spirit photography winds up being this phenomenon that uh, stems into a lot of, you know, like you were talking about, um, I think you and I have talked about like orbs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sort of people like looking in at photography as this like 
you know, can this capture evidence of the spiritual world and using that? And that still happens today. People still incorporate photogra- photographs and photography into yeah. paranormal work and doing uh, some of the sort of paranormal spiritual magic that goes with it. Even in, And then we've even got these kind of derived magical rituals um, where, so there's this thing where you can do, where you can sit in a circle um, and you, uh, I can't remember quite the, all the rules of it, but you, you know, put something in the center of the circle um, and then everybody takes a photograph of somebody across the circle in a darkened room. And supposedly you'll start to see things show up behind people um, in those oh. photographs. It's a sleepover game, right? It's the sleepover game that people can play. Um, but it's basically a summoning ritual using spirit photography. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. And that's, I don't know. I've, I love how all that stuff's tied into yeah. um, when people talk about, I don't know. I love the, I guess the, the idea of those borderline games. Cause like, I mean, talking boards, um, they started out mm-hmm. with like, um, shit, I'm thinking the, like the planchette was before the board and it had a pencil on it and yep. people would do that. And it really was just like a parlor game that, you know, in the height of the spiritualist movement um, became, you know, more, I guess people took that. You had like the, the people that were faking seances and they were getting very elaborate in how they were faking them. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything from the, like the ectoplasm that they would come out and take mm-hmm. like photos of and um, all that fascinates me. But like these like sleepover games where it's like, oh, Bloody Mary and all this other shit. It's like, but if you kind of look at it from a different angle, you're like, oh shit, like this is, this could be, you know, the whole stiff as a board, light as a feather. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, they're tied to these other things. And it's like, to me, which came first? Was it just like a fun, creepy kit? Or was it like, oh, this sounds like this. Let's try it because it's spooky and we want to do it. Like, how do we summon something, um, but make it fun? Yeah. I mean, and there's, and this is not, this is not new stuff. Like we have versions of light as a feather, stiff as a board that go back to like, I think 17th century France. Um, um, there are accounts of th- several of the, the girls where the Salem witch trial started using something called a Venus glass. Um, and th- those accounts are a little fuzzy. Some people say that they're not exactly accurate, but we do know at least that the Venus glass existed around that time, which is uh, um, a love divination ritual that's basically played as a sleepover game. Um, dumb suppers and stuff like that too. Very, you know, so th- you know, these kind of sleepover style games have been um, a big part of the magical experience, but we write them off because they're kid stuff, right? Because they're stuff that kids are doing. Well, there's something that somebody said to me at work one time and they were, um, they just found out they were pregnant and they were like talking about um, like this thing that somebody told them about how to tell if it'd be a boy. And I was like, oh, that sounds like straight up divination. And they were like, wait, what is, what yeah. do you mean? What? And like, it blew their mind. And I think they were like, I don't think they did it, but it makes me think of like, you know, peeling the apple, like we talked about. Yeah. Um, uh, well, me and you haven't talked about that, but I know you've talked about it. We've mentioned it before. Uh, but like, there's things that seem so, and I don't know, I love that. And I guess that goes down, down to the root of like, why the less, I guess, over the top it seems and like the more simple, like the more grounded it feels to me and the more energy it has. But like that stuff just like makes me so happy. It's like, well, it, it seems like a kid's game, but really there's like, you know, there's some serious shit that's kind of like tied to this. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to you know give away the farm on this one, but like one of the things that I'm working on right now is looking at these kind of um, these occult games that, that people play um, and sort of looking at them in the sense the idea of sort of like, if you were to write a modern grimoire, a really contemporary grimoire, 
you wouldn't necessarily be doing Solomonic, you know, circle summonings and things like that. You would be doing sleepover right. games. Well, like, and that's, that's what, uh, we talked about um, one of them, and I forget what it was because we were going to do this for like when we hit a hundred, we were going to do like a sleepover night with this stuff. But that um, that one like creepy pasta, and mm-hmm. the other day I was talking about how um, you know how much of the stuff will people like dismiss and say like blah 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 because. I was doing a giveaway for the hex files thing and we were talking about favorite cryptids and people were throwing in like the rake and siren head and yeah. Slenderman. But I was like, at what point do you count this as a lore? I mean, it's different than how we're used to stuff, but the internet makes it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. However, you know, these things start and then they gain and people start seeing them and people start talking about them and they come up and there's stories, but how much of it that we know of other things that we would say is established and Oh, that's, you know, a, a serious piece of lore. Like, I mean, they start somewhere. And mm-hmm. so these these games where people come up on the internet with like creepypastas and stuff about the three kings, about looking in the mirror and not mm-hmm. letting the candle go out. Like that is the same thing as Bloody Mary. Somebody just got real fucking spooky and technical with it. But yep. it, at the core, it's the same thing. And I would argue that it could have the same uh, outcome if you changed your viewpoint and your attention a little bit and you might actually get some shit summoned or cause something. Yeah, no, I actually include the three Kings ritual in, in my book because I think it's oh such a great God. example of sort of a contemporary version of a, of a ritualized summoning where you're keeping a spirit in a specific location, just like, you know, a circle summoning in the triangle. Right. So excited about that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's the same idea, right? Even though it's a contemporary, even though it's a new internet game, it's a new thing that's been created um, it is still, it's rooted in the same kind of ideas. Right. And I makeup. love that. And yeah. So we, I will, I'll have to have you back on to talk about this shit later <laughs> because um, that's one of my, you know, all time favorite things to like discuss and think about yeah. um, where it's like, don't be so quick to dismiss some of this stuff because, yeah. you know, I mean, come on. Like, yeah. It, I mean, some of this stuff has real world. Yeah. Some of it has real world consequences. I mean, everybody knows about the Slender Man thing, of course, but then like um, you can even get into the blue whale challenge in Momo. Right. And people have had really uh-huh. strong real world reactions to those things, um, right. whether or not they were actually happening. They, they certainly had an impact. So. Right. And we'd like, I'd like to talk about um, with uh, hex files, we're going to, which that'll probably come out before this, but we want to talk about Tokolosh, which is like a South African kind of goblin elf type demon-like thing that um, has been used, like people have used to blame, well, they made me do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not that different. And you might say that and be like, oh, that's part of like the Zulu lore and like beliefs and religion. But like, it's, if it's making people do this and they feel like they've been, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, what's the difference? Yeah. I mean, it makes, it will makes me think of, you know, gin in certain, um, certain, certain cultures where the gin, there's a type of gin that can possess women and make them act um, in very sort of uh, counter characteristic ways, uh-huh. um, and it becomes this kind of way of breaking taboos, breaking social norms, uh, and, and being able to get away with that, um, and, and, and you know relieving some of the pressure of the, of that. So, right. well, yeah, yeah we'll definitely totally we'll have to when when you've got that, uh, <laughs> and it's not exposing anything. We'll have to I'll have to have you on and talk about um, occult games and things like that because I would oh, love yeah. That. Yeah, it's one of my favorite topics. I love that topic. And so. I forgot that I was even doing a podcast right now and not just talking about this shit with you. So that's great. Um, now with like 
to bring it back to corpse magic and stuff, yeah. what are some of the other ones you wanted to touch on? I mean, we, I, I can't, I can't walk away from this without talking about crime fighting corpses. That just feels like, it feels like something I yeah. have to talk about. Yes. Um, I, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get every corpse is a potential Batman waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, this is, this is something that you find oftentimes, especially in um, kind of Appalachian lore, but you do find it throughout the South as well. And this is the idea that corpses um, can reveal murderers. So if they were murdered, um, there's all kinds of things that you can do that, that uh, will help bring the murderer to, to justice. So, um, for example, if, if somebody was murdered and you don't know who did it, if you put an egg in the hand of a corpse um, uh, when it's buried, um, the murderer will have to eventually come back uh, and, and will be compelled to kind of be near where the corpse is so it's easier to find them. Okay. Um, and then you also have stories of if the murderer happens to touch the corpse, um, the corpse's nose will bleed, right? So the corpse uh, suddenly reveals who <laughs> who the murderer is. And I don't remember if I heard it on lore or if I heard it somewhere, but there was something about, um, there was a from somewhere a tradition of trying to like get the murderer to touch the corpse because it would finger them, basically. Yeah. Pointing the finger at, not, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> Not there. Right. I mean, that's, that's um, a whole different section of the internet right there. Oof. Yeah. That's a different, um, creepypasta, but, yeah. uh, no, I've not, um, not heard the one about like the nose bleeding, but yeah, I'm kind of familiar with that idea of if you yeah. can just get the murderer to touch the corpse. Yeah. Yeah. Another version of it is that they get stuck. Like they, they get stuck fast to the corpse and they can't pull their hand off of it, which is another reason why you want everybody to touch the corpse before it gets oh. buried. Right. Yeah. Like if, so that you can kind of be like, well, let's double check. Let's make sure nothing, this is all above board. Right. So yeah. everybody goes like through fucking Greg over here. hasn't touched it yet. Starting to think what's going on with Greg. Yeah. Hey Greg, why don't you come over here? Right. right. Now there's that whole thing. And, and you even see lore about, um, it doesn't have to be just the corpse, the blood. Um, so if you have bloodstains from, from uh, a murder, um, every year on the anniversary of that murder, the bloodstains become wet again. Um, is, is sort of a way of of reminding people that something happened there, which probably does is hell on home home sales and home values. But right. you know, we have a very limited window to sell this. Gonna <laughs> right. get like do not sell it on October fourth. Do not. <laughs> that is a no open house day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like that's kind of the cool thing. Like I think that's really fascinating is that the corpses become these. Um, ways of revealing you know their murderer of detecting crime uh, and you know drawing criminals back yeah I think this is like um, gonna be like featured heavily in like marvel phase five um <laughs> well no isn't doctor like doctor strange is supposed to go to like the land of the dead or something isn't he in the next I, hope one? So. I hope so <laughs> um i'm really looking forward to that one um and then uh, some other stuff that like like Corpses don't just have to be spooky, scary stuff too. They can also do good stuff. So if you have warts, um, they say if you use the, if you take the the hand of a corpse and rub it over the warts, that'll it'll take the, your warts away uh, to the grave with them. So you can use it for healing. It's the least I can do for you. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead, but I'm going to just throw on your pox and things and I'll take it. Right, exactly. Yeah. This is yeah, sort of a, yeah. Be your my friend. last gift, my, my, my final uh, bequest to you. <laughs> um. Yeah, corpse can be your friend. The one thing I wanted to touch on before we ran out of time, at least yeah, for, yeah. for this part, was um, I guess what what are some of the things in modern witchcraft that um, you would call? I mean, other than like the coffin nails, that you would consider corpse magic? Is there is there a lot of it still practiced today? That's like kind of, I mean, I use bones and stuff, um, so I would assume like from that 
vantage point. Like, you know, I'm using, um, I've used some as offerings. I've used some um, in spells and stuff. So I would imagine obviously animals, corpses and stuff. Um, sure. But yeah, is there any that you would say like get used a ton that uh, would be like, oh shit, wait a minute. Well, I mean, one that one that I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people that do this um, is to use graveyard dirt. Um, graveyard dirt is very much um, related to corpse magic uh, because uh, what it used to be. So 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 a lot of the the sort of more rooted, more traditional versions of of using graveyard dirt, it's not just that you're going and like scraping a little bit of dirt from somewhere on the grave. Like you really specifically had to know what part of the body you were going for. So if you wanted to affect the head, you would take dirt from over where the head was. If you wanted to be the heart, be over where the heart was. Um, Legs, feet, hands, anything like that. You had to kind of figure out where that body was in that grave. And then it wasn't just scooping up a little dirt off the top. Oftentimes the, the, the root doctors would dig their arms way down in there as close to the coffin as they could get to get that graveyard dirt. Um, and there's been some speculation that um, particularly when they're using graveyard dirt to do curses um, that they would go to like, for example, smallpox victims or something like that, pull mm-hmm. the dirt from that and the dirt might still have some of the disease in it. Oh. that then you could use to actually, you know, spread that disease around. That's, that is purely speculative, um, but I do think it's an interesting thing to think about. Like they're, you know, oftentimes digging their hands right down in that dirt, going really deep uh, to get that dirt because they yeah, want to be as close to the body as possible. Yeah. And I've gotten, an, um, I've gotten enough of graveyard dirt, but mm-hmm. I, um, I do the thing, which I don't know. I mean, for me, it's what I feel comfortable with because I, I don't know going into it what I want, but I try to get a generic, like in the grounds, in the borders of it, but I don't go for that specific because I know you can you can pick like if you do you want something to be protective you can pick a soldier's grave. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. You want use because graveyard dirt to me is like one of those great versatile things. Like you can use it in protections. You can use it in um, curses if you want. You know what I mean. So like I, I always <laughs> find a good reason to use it. I've put it in. Um, the little like, you know, amulet bags and stuff that I've made for friends or um, I've put it in um, like different incense stuff, just enough, not so that it's like, oh, there's dirt in here. It's not burning. Um, but, you know, uh, and then it, you, which I probably use it more outside of cursing than anything, but um, it's something that's always like, I've always been drawn to, um, but I've never specifically gotten it from a certain grave because I usually get it in like a generalized, I'm going to get some of this because I liked the location and the, the energy I want from here. I'm going to put some nails in it whenever I need those. Um, but I've never done the actual, like that idea of, oh, well, a lover's grave for this or a soldier's this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that ties into the idea of like what you said, like being very specific on where you gather it from. Yeah. Where I'm yeah. just here, just like I'm gonna be <laughs> over in this corner where I don't think anything's buried. Um. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and we do have. I mean, in current current times, it's a lot harder to do that kind of of sort of deep digging. Yeah, I don't um, think you're gonna get your whole arm. I don't think you're right. You're you're you're. If you do that, you're probably gonna get caught with your hand in the proverbial cookie jar, so to speak, um, pretty quickly, <laughs> um, and that's not gonna go well for you. So yeah, so that's uh, so, but, but yeah, graveyard dirt is definitely like one of the most prominent ones. If you're, if you're, if you're doing any kind of Catholic inflected magic, um, 
there's another thing to think about, which is reliquaries or and relics. Uh, so you have the idea of like first, second, and third class relics. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been in any of these kind of really old Catholic churches where they have first class saint relics, which are literally, you know, bones, skulls, um, preserved, you know, you know, these preserved bodies. I remember going to a church in Prague and literally like you could sit in the pew and look to your right and there is a glass coffin and oh my God. there's a dead person staring at you the whole time. I love that. Um, but fantastic. Like, and the ones that where they like, they're, they can be gilded and they have yep. like adornments and stuff. Like, yes, I would love to um, have that stare at me. I would be like, distracted. <laughs> I know it's kind of, you're kind of like, well, I'm kind of more into this than the homily right now. So I'm just going to look at, look at this fellow over here in the case. But what we can do is like, so you can get um, relics that uh, were either, you know, either something you can actually have the bone of the saint. Some every once in a while you can find something like that. It's very unusual. Um, but then you have second class, which is stuff that has been um, uh, owned by that saint or whatever. But then you have third class relics, which are things that get touched to the saint. So sometimes they'll actually do these ceremonies where they sort of open up these, um, these sort of holy sepulchers and things like that. And they'll touch pieces of cloth um, to the, the dead saints bodies. And then you can, for a donation to the church, or, you know, in some cases for free, you can get little pieces of the cloth to carry with you to bring that sort of saints influence into your life. So yeah, to the, those uh, sorts of things are pretty common. See, I would love to have that in to the mm-hmm. stain and horror of um, Catholics everywhere. Like um, I would love to have that to use. Cause like, um, I just think that, you know, that's just something that's, I don't know. I have a different view of saints too and all these other things. Mm-hmm. I think that there's some that have been handed down or adopted that, you know, they weren't necessarily just the the Catholic saints, um, you know, because there's other places that have their their saints and their versions and stuff. But just the idea of having something that was like anointed from this like corpse, because whether you're tied to it or not, like the energy is there. I mean, this, you know, a corpse in a church like that has been, you know, prayed with over, um, admired, used, mm-hmm. called upon how many times, like the oh, energy yeah. that builds up with that. Um, you know, there's like, there's power in that, whether I think, whether you're Catholic or not, I'm sure it depends on like the saint on whether or not you believe they're going to help you directly or just that idea would help you. But Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we, you know, we see that idea even carry over where it was so, so, you know, people want stuff that celebrities have touched because that sort of gives some, some bit of them, that bit of the, the celebrity's power um, to, to, to the person. And, and, and it's not, you know, it's not for nothing that people do this. You know, there's, you know, there's even a story in the Bible where it talks about a woman who touches the hem of Jesus's uh, cloak and is healed from um, this, this long-term blood disorder she's had. Um, so even just kind of touching something that's touched something wholly that, uh-huh. that, sort of chain of, of magic uh, is, is a really powerful thing. So yeah, I mean, this is, it doesn't have to be just you using the Catholic version of this. Again, you can look for like, well, are there what you would say are sort of quote unquote saints that you would work with? So for me, you know, one of the things I would love to have is something, something that Dolly Parton has touched, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Well, I mean, there's still time. Uh, right. Yeah. Like that's, she, she's such a powerful inspiration on so many fronts that like, I, I would love to have like a little St. Dolly item, you know? Yeah, and if you think that she won't be a saint one day, like right. you're mistaken. Exactly. Well, if anybody has anything that she's touched, send to Corey. <laughs> Please. Uh, I would love that. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, those are definitely some things that happen. There are other types of corpse magic and other types of things that you could definitely, uh, you know, if you poke around, you know, for example, in Afro-Caribbean, 
um, religious practices. So um, I think regular, regular de Lukumi, um, there, there's a, a tradition of like evil, the, the book, what they call the Bakor, uh, the sort of the evil sorcerers um, mm-hmm. of making something called a Nganga, which is a, a, a cauldron either made from a skull or with human bones involved. So, so there's other traditions that use these kind of corpse magic approaches, but if we're talking about ones that are more generally accessible and ones that are sort of lingering on in, um, you know, North American culture, um, you know, I would say graveyard is the big one. And then maybe some of these relic approaches as well. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, some of the stuff you're probably that's in your book is something that's yeah. like, you know, for informative purposes only, you're not going <laughs> to yes. get this. Yes, um, please don't do some of these <laughs> things. A do not make a hand of glory. <laughs> Right. <laughs> or if you're going to do it, do it the, the, the wax molded way, yeah. way not Go actual severed limbs. Go to the Ren Fest, get a wax hand, fill it up. Yes. And I know we've kind of been all over. Is there anything you need, you wanted to add um, besides the crime fanning corpses at the end that you <laughs> really want to put in there? I mean, that was when I had to, I had to get in there. I just, I love the fact that corpses, corpses are, are Batman in some ways. Um, but it's, it's just, uh, there's, there's a lot more to this, you know, we're not going to be able to cover all of it oh, in, of in one conversation, obviously, but if people want to know more about this, I, I highly recommend I've got, you know, a blog post on the website that covers some of this stuff. I've got a section of the book that's going to cover some of this stuff. So um, please, you know, go out, check this stuff out. Don't, don't be afraid to look into this stuff because it may seem weird, but you're going to be surprised how how much of it is already around you and how much of it is stuff that you you may already know so. and shovels are cheap shovels are cheap uh but prison time is hard so <laughs> be, right. be wary about what you do and let's bring it full circle one day you too might even become a hand of glory indeed right yeah like in, in, in some way is there's almost this part of you that goes like huh I kind of want to be a hand of glory. Right. right. You just need to get hanged for something. <laughs> I can just get hung for some sort of crime. No, you don't really want to do that. But no, so you, you people donate their bodies to science. I donate sure. both my hands. But no, um, so tell us real quick where they can, where the listeners can find your stuff. If they don't already know, it's New World Witchery is the name of your podcast. Sure. Yep. So newworldwitchery.com. You can find the podcast and the blog there. We've got um, hundreds of of entries from over the years covering all sorts of uh, folk magical stuff so you can find out more there um the podcast is new world witchery you can find it on pretty much any podcatcher that's out there um so uh yeah those are the kind of two big things we're also on twitter and facebook and instagram Uh, we've got a youtube channel going as well where we post uh videos every once in a while including some on kind of everyday folk magic stuff so yeah find us you've got some like a little like a little merch shop going right now too right because we do yes uh so um basically it's just art stuff uh that that i've done but it's all kind of tied to north american folk magic so there's some cryptid stuff in there there's some uh you know brooms and, and witchy bits there's a, a satyr square that you can use on a face mask while you have a pandemic yeah. going on <laughs> um and that's our threadless shop and that's newworldwitchery.threadless.com it's been great having you on um Thanks. i guess if if you can do another 10 15 real quick yeah. Um, we can do like a little bonus. Um, if not, I understand because I think no, no, we went over a little bit. But um, again, we appreciate you being on. Hopefully, I can have you on again. I want to talk about those um, parlor games slash sleepover games. Yeah, I'd love to do that. That would be wonderful. And I'd love to have you uh, c- come on the show and talk about some of your uh, your work with the paranormal and investigations at some point, too. Yeah, so that would be really love fun. To do that. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll go. Let's see. What's the closest cryptid? to you <laughs> Current, yeah currently i've got uh oh goodness um let's see in pennsylvania we've got the, the there's a werewolf um 
that's maybe 30 miles from me, maybe. Oh, and then there's, oh, the Albert Witch, which is this apple-stealing miniature Bigfoot. So oh either one God. of those, if you okay. want to come check them out. Yeah, that one for sure. But no, I really, it's been um, a lot of fun for me to finally talk to you and have you on like um, like this. I mean, I know I've t- chatted with you via interwebs before. Um, even I had a podcast, but I really appreciate um, that we could do this. And like I said, I, I've admired your work. I really look forward to this book. Go pre-order it. I'll put that link in the description. Well, thanks so much, Josh. It's been a real treat to be on here. I appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, and until next time, goodbye. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. And before we leave, if you would like to pre-order Corey's book, I'm going to have that link in the description below. And uh, if you want to hear a scary ghost story from Corey, uh, he sticks around and um, tells that for a Patreon bonus. So if you're not a patron, um, you can sign up. Um, for just a dollar, you can hear all the bonus stuff. There's a lot of um, other perks as well. So we appreciate all the support from the patrons. Uh, it's a really cool story. So um, you should definitely check that out. The link's in the description as well. And until next time, thank you all for listening. Cursed is hosted, produced, and edited by Joshua McWilliams. The theme for Cursed is Voice of the Trees by Sun and Moon Dance. You can find them at sunandmoondance.bandcamp.com.